Pastor Xavier Reese with a simple truth about salvation affirmed by the prophet Zechariah. Notice the prophet heard the verdict pronounced to Joshua in the vision. And to him he says, I have removed your iniquity from you. The one having authority to forgive sin is God. What's the basis of that? Listen, repentance. Repentance in God's grace based on what he has done for us. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Cultures come and go. Empires thrive and collapse. But only one nation stands until eternity, Israel. Today, Pastor Xavier takes us to the Old Testament book of Zechariah and discloses that no matter what happens with the political landscape, God's chosen people remain pivotal in the world today. Let's listen in for the ever-relevant simple truths of the message titled, Israel, the Priestly Nation. Listen to the words of God to Moses on Mount Sinai, Exodus 19.6. God declared to Moses on Mount Sinai, And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which you shall speak to the children of Israel. A priestly nation. That's what Israel was to be. The first vision of the four horses revealed the jealousy of God for Jerusalem and ready to punish the nations for their abuse of his people beyond what he intended in chapter 1, verse 7 through 17. Their enemies came to put fear in them now that they have returned. God is bringing them back. They're there in the land. All the visions are related to the first vision and then expanded. But all deal with God's restoration of the nation Israel. Short-term Post-captivity, long-term, the millennial kingdom. I'm amazed at how much material. Zechariah has more material about the millennial kingdom than all the minor prophets put together in the first and the second coming of Jesus Christ, especially in chapter 9 to 12 as we can get there. It's incredible. Now, the Gentile nations mentioned are in relationship to their dealing with Israel and God's judgment over them, known as the time of the Gentiles. You remember the dream of Nebuchadnezzar. All right? There's a there's post-captivity. Daniel was... During those 70 years, is right after that. The second vision, in chapter 1, verse 18 to 21, of the four horses and the Gentile nations, are the ones who scattered Israel. The four horses, Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece, Rome, and the four smiths, or carpenters, are the same four nations that are used by God to judge the previous one. In other words, Medo-Persia judged Babylon, Greece judged Medo-Persia. Okay? Now, some divide the four horsemen and then the carpenters, or the smiths, I don't care how you look at it, if you look seven visions, eight visions, ten visions, you want to divide them up, I don't really care. But you do need to see the connection between them, which is the most important thing, okay? So I don't think it's good to separate them all the time, but you can count them any way you want. The third vision of chapter two, the measuring line, reveals the expansion of Jerusalem by God, call back the Jews and judge the nations. Now again, it's short term and then long term all the way. It's constantly ending up in the millennial kingdom. The fourth vision... Here in chapter 3, the reclothing of Joshua with uh, clean garments reveals a uh, past chastening of the nation of Israel and the type of Jesus, the high priest, ultimately in the kingdom ages we'll see. All the visions came in one night, whether you count them again, 7, 8, or 10, doesn't matter to me. And they look beyond the immediate local time all the way to the end times, the second coming. Now... Five months after the rebuilding of the temple was resumed is when Zechariah is speaking. 
one month before Haggai's last prophecy, two months after the word of the Lord came to Zechariah in chapter 1. So as you look at the dates in Haggai 1.15 to 10, Zechariah 7.1 and 7.7, you can see the dates and you can compare those. Let's look at the vision of the restoration of the priestly nation of Israel, which is described by three things. Let me read here chapter 3. Then he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord, and Satan standing at the right hand to oppose him. And the Lord said to Satan, The Lord rebuke you, Satan. The Lord has chosen Jerusalem, rebukes you. Is this not a brand plucked from the fire? And Joshua was clothed with filthy garments and was standing before the angel. And he answered and spoke to those who stood before him, saying, Take away the filthy garments from him. And to him he said, See, I have... Remove your iniquity from you, and I will clothe you with rich robes. And I said, Let them put on a clean turban on his head. So they put a clean turban on his head, and they put the clothes on him. And the angel of the Lord stood by. Then the angel of the Lord admonished Joshua, saying, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, If you will walk in my ways, and if you will keep my command, then you shall judge my house, and likewise have charged my courts. I will give you places to walk among those who stand here. Hear, O Joshua, the high priest, you and your companions who sit before you, for they are wondrous signs. For behold, I am bringing forth my servant the branch. For behold, the stone that I have laid before Joshua upon the stone are seven eyes. Behold, I will engrave its inscription, says the Lord of hosts, and I will remove the iniquity of that land in one day. In that day, says the Lord of hosts, every one will invite his neighbor under the vine and under the fig tree. The vision of the restoration of the priestly nation of Israel is described in three ways. First, the past castigation of Israel, verse 1 and 2. Second, the present reconciliation of Israel in verse 3 through 5. And thirdly, the future restoration of Israel, 6 to 10. It begins with the past castigation of Israel, verse 1 and 2. Notice in verse 1, the prophet Zechariah saw the judicial court in heaven. You have to mark this. The judicial court in heaven, the ultimate authority. The one presenting the vision is the angel that interpreted the first three visions. Listen, then he showed me, Joshua. In the first vision, this angel said, I will show you what they are. The three horses, the red, sorrow, and the white. In chapter 1, verse 9. In the second vision, he informed Joshua about the four horses. These are the horns that have scattered Judah, Israel. Chapter 1, verse 19 and 21. Now some again Count two visions here, that would make it three visions, okay? Again, I don't really care. The third vision of the measuring line of the angel told another angel to tell Joshua Jerusalem would be inhabited and the people with livestock and quoting the words of Yahweh here, chapter 2, verse 3 and 4, 5 through 13. So it's the angel that's been interpreted as the same one here. The he in our text is that same angel. Now he shows Zechariah here, Joshua. The vision now, again the fourth or the fifth, with order we're going to count it, reveals Zechariah to him, Joshua, as the representative of the nation. Listen what he says. Joshua the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord. The context reveals Joshua represents the nation of Israel before God, not himself. The high priest was the representative of the nation. 
The context proves this. In verse 2, Jerusalem is chosen by God. Talks about Jerusalem. In verse 9, the land of Israel is the focus. And I will remove the iniquity of that land in one day. One day. That is the millennial kingdom. One day. In verse 10, the priestly nation will have peace and prosperity in the kingdom. Everyone will invite his neighbor under the fine and the fig tree. That's a statement of the millennial kingdom throughout scripture. So the context is talking about Joshua being the representative of the nation. The high priest, notice Joshua here, was the mediator between God and the nation. Now Joshua, the high priest, notice representing the nation, officiated the most crucial role once a year at Yom Kippur, the 10th of October when he went into the Holy of Holies, not without many sacrifices and blood. And he took two goats, one a scapegoat, one to die, and the sins of the nation would be gone away and there would be great rejoicing, okay? They don't have any of that today. They have no blood. They have no sacrifice. They have no temple. They have no basis for their forgiveness of their sin. Okay? Jesus says he would put an end to it because they didn't believe him. Now, notice the vision revealed to Zechariah, an adversary to fight against Joshua. And Satan stands at the right hand to oppose him. The right hand was the position of a true witness in Scripture. David says, set a wicked man over him and let an accuser stand at his right hand. Psalm 109.6. The right hand was a place of favor, authority, and honor in Scripture. Psalm 110, Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father. The Messianic Psalm. Matthew 25, 34, the sheep and the goat. The sheep on the right, the goats on the left. Okay? Now, notice Satan is standing at the right side of the Lord. Because he is a false and wicked angel and the father of lies. Satan, Satan, it means adversary, one who withstands and resists the people of God and the work of God. So his posture here in our context is exact. To oppose Joshua, God is starting to work. Satan is active. Okay? All anti-Semitism, listen to me carefully, is satanic. Hitler tapped into demons, his right-hand man in the occult, the white masters. Okay? Very, very clear. Now, Satan is the adversary, the accuser of the brethren. Revelation twelve ten tells us. You know, Job, God said, have you considered my servant Job? A bright man, hates evil. Where you been, Lou? Oh, cruising up and down the earth. Notice verse 2. The prophet Zechariah heard the reprimand and intervention of God as the attorney of the defense for Israel. This is a divine courtroom. The one addressing Satan is God the Father. And the Lord Yahweh said to Satan, The Lord rebuke you, Satan. The word Lord is the covenant word Yahweh, as we've seen many times. He is distinct from the angel of the Lord, the second person of the Trinity that we see here. Both are distinct from the angel interpreting and the other angel standing. So you have different persons. God the Father, God the Son, and different angels. Okay, so we want to mark the difference. Now, the authority and power of Yahweh is greater than Satan. 1 Corinthians 4, 4, the God of this world. He's with a small g. He blinds people to the gospel. Greater is he that you than he that's in the world. First John four four. God is greater. Satan is rebuked by God here. The reason Yahweh rebukes Satan is stated. Listen, the Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is this not a bram plucked from the fire? It is his city. He has chosen Jerusalem. Anybody who fights against Israel and Jerusalem is fighting against God. You will never have peace in Jerusalem until Jesus Christ comes back to the earth. Okay? It's just not going to happen. 
Notice the confirmation again that Joshua represents the nation of Israel is that God has chosen the city of Jerusalem. This is repeated throughout the book. 114, 16, 17, 8, 3, 12, 3, over and over again. Jerusalem, 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 Zion, 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 Israel. Over and over again. The rebuke notice stated twice, emphasizing the greater authority of God over the opposition of Satan. Michael, who contended with the devil, disputing over the body of Moses, dared not to bring any written accusation against him. He just simply said, the Lord rebuke you. I kind of shiver when people say, I rebuke you, Satan, and they might remember with their voice. Really? Michael, mighty archangel, says, the Lord rebuke you. That's wisdom. You keep the Lord between you and Satan. Don't think you're bad, okay? Be careful. The confirmation or affirmation here of this confirmation of the nation being the focus and verified is verified again. And I'm, I'm, I'm overemphasizing this so you understand what the context is. It's not about Joshua. It's about the nation of Israel. He's the representative. Listen to the words. Is this not a brand plucked from the fire? This is a direct reference to the Babylonian captivity he just came out of. God has chastened them. He's delivered the nation. Now he's brought them out. In fact, Jeremiah 29 says, For thus saith the Lord, after 70 years are completed at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good work towards you and cause you to return to this place. He laid it on Cyrus' heart 150 years before he's even born. He's called by name. The plan how to take Babylon under the levee gate in the Euphrates River, reflecting it. The wrath of God has been poured out on them, putting them into captivity. But it's over now. John Wesley chose this text for his salvation. A brand plucked out of the fire. But that phrase has been used before. You remember our study in Amos. Amos 4.11. Amos uses the same imagery uh, against the northern kingdom. And he says, I overthrew some of you as God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah. And you were like a firebrand plucked from the firing or burning. Yet you have not returned to me, says the Lord. Over and over again, the northern kingdom, God said, I did this, you didn't repent. 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 Okay, prepare to meet your God. It wasn't for a hug. It was for judgment. Israel repented. They're back in the land. You know, it was like a father who was out there in the forest, and he saw the forest fire starting up, and he was kind of concerned, and he got out of control, and he knew that he had to do something. So he started burning an area of grass around him and his son, and his son was all freaked out. And he said, son, listen to me. The fire cannot burn the same place twice. So they hunkered down, fire went right over them. This is the same thing with your sin and mine, ladies and gentlemen. My sin has been judged. No double jeopardy with God. Okay? Like the nation of Israel, God forgives sinners every sin when they come to Jesus, the high priest in heaven. The condition is repentance. The result is salvation. Listen to Hebrews 7.25. Therefore, he is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. Mighty high priest. God has made us new creatures. All things pass away. Everything becomes new. Second Corinthians 5.21. I love that verse. I put that on my dad's tombstone. Raw Christian reese. Second Corinthians 5.21. <laughs> Absolutely. But Satan is the accuser of the brethren day and night before God. A roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Revelation 12, 10, 1 Peter 5, 8. So you be careful. You're not a sleepy Christian. Make sure you're bright-eyed, bushy-tailed. Okay? You're running the race. Have your armor on. Paul puts it this way. There is therefore now no condemnation of those who are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Romans 8, 1. What a glorious work God has done through grace in our lives. 
how we owe him so much. Like the nation of Israel, now God is working on our behalf. Those of us who are saved to align our, with the will of God by the study of the word of God. The will of God is found in the word of God. It's not found by contemplating your navel. It's not by meditating. It's by studying the word of God. To accomplish his purpose and his work in this dark world. Now you're the light. You're salt. You're totally different than before. To empower and protect you through every testing, temptation, and trial. As you depend on your high priest, Jesus Christ. And Hebrews um, 4, 15-16 says, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. In every point that you will ever go through or I, he was tempted without sin. So he knows exactly what you and I go through. As hard as it may seem to us and our emotions tell us different, you must believe what the word of God says. Either Jesus is telling you the truth or he's an absolute liar. Which is it? The past castigation of Israel had been executed. It's done. Notice secondly comes the present reconciliation of Israel. In verse 3, the prophet Zechariah saw the past sin of the nation of Israel. Though they're forgiven, he wants them to understand what's taking place here. The vision is one of guilt and shame. Now Joshua is clothed with filthy garments. The nation had been defiled and corrupted by their departure from God through idolatry that marked their own self-righteousness also. Corruption. The word filthy is a very strong expression in the Hebrew language. It is the most vile and loathsome word of character of defilement. Some translate it to mean excrement. See, we think we're so hot. We think we're so good. I've always told you, finish the sentence, good for nothing. The word appears only one other time in the Old Testament. In the next verse, verse 4. Two times in the Old Testament. Here it is. Now, note of the vision is one of being before the divine judge and was standing before the angel. The word angel, again, capitalized correctly because it refers to the angel of the Lord, the second person of the Godhead. We noted this before, the pre-incarnation appearance of Jesus Christ. This is called a Christophany. It appears six times in the book. This one is the ultimate judge of Israel. The one who knows all things, omniscient. The one who is all-powerful, omnipotent. The one who is present everywhere at the same time, omnipresent. The one who has judged them for their sins already. It's past. And this is how bad you were. And I've cleansed you. Does that ring a bell? See, no one can say, I was, I was clean. Look at verse 4 and 5. The prophet Zechariah saw the justification of Israel by God. That word sound good? Justification? Romans 5, 1 and 2. The prophet in his vision heard the verdict of being absolved of all sin. This is from the court of heaven. Then he answered and spoke to those who stood before him saying, Take away the filthy garments from him. The speaker is he, the angel of the Lord. The promised Messiah that would come to the nation about 500 years from this time. But he would be rejected by the nation. He came to his own. His own receives him not in John 1.11. The orders, notice, were given. Those who stood before him. That's to who they were given. 
These have to be angels. They are ministering spirits of the earth of salvation, as we've noted many times, Hebrews 1.14. The verdict was pronounced, saying, Take away the filthy garments from him. It is deliberately being repetitive and handing down, so you see the chain of command and what's happening here. The statement is one of forgiveness for the nation's sins. Joshua is a representative, the high priest of the nation. Certainly, it includes his sin, but it's as a whole. He's a representative of the nation that's being dealt with here. Once he's clean, he's also able to be the mediator between God and the nation. Notice the prophet heard the verdict pronounced to Joshua in the vision. You find this chain of command? The nation is forgiven first. And to him he said, see, I have removed your iniquity from you. The authority once against the angel of the Lord. And to him he said, the one having authority to forgive sin is God. See, I have removed your iniquity from you. What's the basis of that? Listen, repentance. Repentance in God's grace. Based on what he has done for us. The basis of forgiveness is always repentance that is verified by both Haggai and Zechariah. Haggai 1.12, God's word of the Lord came to Haggai, they repented. 1.12, the word of the Lord came to Zechariah. One six, they repented. If they hadn't repented, it would be a whole different message. Now notice the verification of their justification came second. And I will clothe you with rich robes. The nation had clothed himself with filthy garments and God had chastened her for those 70 years. The nation now would be clothed with these robes, uh, referring to robes of state or festive garments. The word appears only one other time in the Old Testament in Isaiah 3.22. If you remember our study, this is where the women are prancing around in their prideful, luxurious jewels and fashions and hair. And God says, I'll give you scab for a covering and a rope for a belt and I'll remove all your festive things from you. They even had a little symbol between their ankle and they cling, cling, cling so they can get the eye of the guys. Huh? Amazing. Nothing's changed, has it? Notice the prophet joined the celebration of the righteousness on the nation of Israel. He, see, man, he is excited. He jumps into this whole thing. Look at verse 5. Joshua, being high priest, knew the garments of righteousness needed to be accompanied with the headdress of righteousness. So he says, and I said, let him put on a, a clean turban on his head. This is an imperative command, by the way, that he gives. The high priest, when he went into the Holy of Holies once a year, Yom Kippur, as I stated, would wear also with the festive garment this mitre with a blue rope on it. And it would be written on it, holiness to the Lord. The headdress has to match. Your mind has to match your conduct. You got to be one. It can't be two. You find this in Exodus 39, verse 30 to 31 and 36 to 38 about the headdress. Now the word in our text is simply turban. It's different. A clean headdress symbolizing righteousness. Joshua saw the execution of this command. So they put a clean turban on his head and they put the clothes on him and the angel of the Lord stood by. He's checking all this out. All of these visions in one night. Man, they, who are they? They have to be angels who put the turban on his head as well as the clothes of righteousness. In the approval of forgiveness, justification, in righteous standing of the nation of Israel before God was approved by a witness. Who is it? Look at it. And the angel of the Lord stood by. Who's that? Jesus, their coming Messiah. 
Pastor Xavier Rees and the importance of a right walk with God, drawn from the Old Testament minor prophet Zechariah. Now you can hear this message again if you like online anytime by selecting today's date under the radio tab at calvarychapelpasadena.com. But you can also request a CD copy of this timely study titled Israel, the Priestly Nation. As always, they're available for just $4. And make sure you share this helpful insight with your brothers and sisters in the Lord once you're through. The title to ask for once again is Israel, the Priestly Nation. Or simply mention today's date when you write Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And it's helpful when you mention the call letters of this station when you contact us. And then join us for more Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese right here next time. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com